Tertiary. 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 Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Tertiary. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. We just would like to remind you that none of the things that we say should be taken as official recommendations. Yeah, we try to know what we're talking about, but this podcast ultimately represents the opinions of a couple yahoos with master's degrees. It's (laughs) mainly for entertainment. Right. So if you feel that you need help with your own mental health, we encourage you, please talk to your very own doctor or your very own counselor. Get real help. And remember, this podcast is not safe for work, so listen with headphones. Welcome to Freudian Sips. The podcast about brains, beverages, and other BS. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Anna. And I've said that like I... That's just who I am. I'm Bonnie. (laughs) I think it's actually I'm a little congested. I feel a little like I'm talking through my nose. (laughs) A little lazily. I do. A little lazily. Having some sinus complications. (laughs) Not sure what that's about. An allergy maybe? I refuse to get sick. Everybody's getting sick. Oh, God. Yeah. The other day in church, I mean, there were like people <laughs> coughing all around You're me. You're like, no one come up to I'm talk like, to me. Please don't anybody want to shake my hand today. I do not want to I'm touch not anyone. touching <laughs> no, the, <laughs> the wine glass. In Christian love, stay away from me. Church is kind of a bad place. People cough a lot in church. Cough a lot. And then we in Catholic masses, you go up and you get the communion and then you get the wine from the wine glass that everyone just licks. <laughs> everyone just you don't touches lick it. it. You, you touch it with your mouth. That is that is right. That is in the schema of licking. Well, ooh, drop it in the schema. <laughs> drop in the schema. <laughs> Well, ideally, people are aware that if they're ill, they should not I do be remember drinking out of the chalice. Specifically, being taught that if you feel sick, don't. don't. And I've been very careful yes. about that whenever yeah. I've been Hopefully. in Catholic masses. Hopefully, yes. It's a sign of peace against me when y'all in the in our Catholic mass when we all give each other a sign of peace and you and you mm. shake hands with people and maybe hug a person and people like spit in their hand and then. Like, <laughs> Yeah, we all do that. We all cut your palms <laughs> open and then do the blood brother shake. Wow, the Catholic Church is oh, the Catholic Church is doing that. <laughs> yeah. You're giving us a bad rap. <laughs> it's, it's a blood sport. So in fairness, we're doing a part two, we should announce. This is part two. Wasn't expecting to do a part two. <laughs> we kind of were. A little bit. Yeah. You were. I was. Anna didn't believe And it. then today I was like, we probably won't get to a part two. And then I was like, we will. We'll, we'll and we it. did. And we did because mother knows best. Because I kind of expected us to skip a week for Thanksgiving. But mom was like, no, we're going to give you more editing work to do. That's <laughs> because <laughs> Anna doesn't happen. have enough to do. Because I don't have enough on my plate. Yeah. Here we are. I'm sorry, Anna. <laughs> it's all right. So, do we need to do any pre-roll or we just jump right into part two? I don't think so. I think we can just jump we'll right jump in. Jump right in. I mean, I guess we can we should do probably... our regular pre-roll. Merch. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, Anna, Anna's looking a little fatigued at this point. 
Anna's had a little more alcohol than I have. I don't think it's the alcohol. I think I should be very tired. She's had a long week Birch of counseling. Especially if you are listening to this on the Monday it is released. <gasps> today is a prime day to go get merch from our merch store. Mm-hmm. If you go to FreudianSipsPod.com, there's a merch link on the very first page. Go to that. It'll take us to our merch site. We have a code, Cyber10, C-Y-B-E-R, one zero, and that will give you 10% off your order Woo-hoo. so that is for cyber monday happy cyber monday if you're listening to this on the day it's released but that will last until tuesday after cyber monday so even if you're catching this late go get some merch because it's 10 percent off so right. now is a very good time to get some freudian sips merch it is super comfy super soft <laughs> super great and so even if you happen to miss that particular discount, if yes. you're listening to this afterwards, and you're looking for something warm and fuzzy and comfortable. It's a very good day to do it. That's right. The hoodies are awesome. They're they are. just awesome. They're very good. I yeah. have a sweater. It's very soft and cozy. So check out the merch. <laughs> check out the merch. Absolutely. And then send us a review and send us a picture of it and send us your address. And, and you will get send a, you a sticker. Sticker. A sticker. They're very cool stickers, too. <laughs> yes. So, yes, please do. Talk to us. We love to hear you. Interact with us. Please do. We're kind of lonely. We- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We need some social support. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Please tell us we're not alone. So, Mom. Yes, Anna. Mom. Anna. What did we talk about last time? We talked about Jean Piaget. Ooh, good pronunciation. Merci beaucoup. Merci beaucoup. <laughs> we talked about his cognitive development theory. Mm-hmm. And last time, you talked about... Who he was. Who he was. So we did the did. history. So if you want to hear that, you need to listen to episode... Yeah, usually we have the history and the theories all in one. We're kind of breaking it up this time. So Mm -hmm. I do highly recommend everyone go back, listen to one episode back. I think it's 42. Mm -hmm. Get the history because as we've talked about before, we think it's important that we know the history of the people making these theories that we're about to talk about because how we grow up and the things we experience inform the theories that they make. So exactly right. Yeah. So we also talked a little bit about some of the main ideas um, going into this. We're going to talk today about the stages that Piaget, the very famous stages. And we talked about last time that this is used a lot in um, education. A lot of educators yeah. use these stages. But if you're a parent too, you've probably read books that have had some, some ideas. reference Yeah, to it. sure. Should one of us make a reference to the schema thing that would we you, talked about? Would you please do that? Yeah. So in last episode, we talked about one of the main ideas of Piaget's theories being schemas and that is basically like categories that we sort information into and we talked about how we can assimilate information into those schemas like basically put new information into existing schemas or how we can accommodate by getting new information and creating new schemas or modifying existing schemas to fit the new information. So we we talked about those ideas and how they may play into later theory. Very good. Thanks, Mom. Good Thanks, job. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> wow, <laughs> I bet people are really upset with that whole noise situation that just happened. <laughs> like nails on a blackboard yeah. baby oh god it really is <laughs> sorry sorry zipsters. sorry zipsters sometimes we get carried away 
Um, <laughs> All the time. So before we step into the stages, I thought I would um, read this little note that I thought was a really good way to kind of summarize the beginning of this. It says, it's important to note... <laughs> Anna is draining her wine skin. Used to be a box of wine. I'm milking my wine and now, cow. <laughs> and now it's a wine bag. It's a wine cow. And you called it a bladder in the last episode. That's what which it's called. Of, I know, but it just kind of makes me want to go to the bathroom when you call it a bladder. bladder. Yeah. So as Anna has her wine, let me tell you this. Yeah. It's important to note that Piaget did not view children's intellectual development as a quantitative process. In other words, kids don't just add more information and knowledge to their existing knowledge as they get older. Instead, Piaget suggested that there is a qualitative change in how children think as they gradually process through the four stages that we're going to talk about. So a child I'm at age... I'm sorry. What? <laughs> we're going we're gonna to go into some ASMR here. What? <laughs> a child... I might end up having to turn off Anna's mic. Even though, I don't you know don't know how to do that. <laughs> you can try. I'd like to see you try, lady. I'm going to just pull this plug right here. <laughs> so you can turn off your own mic and then I'll just keep talking. Yeah, that'll go well. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Did I do this to you when you were trying to talk about your schema stuff? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I kind of Yeah, did. you did. <laughs> play it back. Play the tape back. <laughs> Let's go to the tape. Let's go to the tape. <laughs> we're not going to have time for that. Okay, what? Okay, so a child at age seven doesn't just have more information about the world than he did when he was two years old. There's a fundamental change in how he thinks about the world. Oh, okay, sure. Okay, that's all that is. Yeah. That's all I mean. Well, I mean, that makes sense. We're seeing the same world at seven as we did at two. Right. We're just perceiving it differently. And we talked about this at the beginning of the last episode, that it's kind of like one of those duh moments. Yeah. That this big, huge, oh my goodness, Piaget has this amazing idea that children, you know, they process differently as they get older. Well, duh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also very impressed at how quickly you pronounce Piaget. Like, you just pronounce it very French, very good, and like very quickly. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. That's a four years of high school French. <laughs> Oh, man. I took two years of high school Spanish. Can we do a Spanish theorist next? Yeah, find one and we'll do it. Two whole years of high school Spanish. I'm, well, it's still way more than I know. Oh, so. no. <laughs> I remember. Sorry, can I do a side note? Do, do a side note, please do. I remember you doing Spanish homework with Gabriel. Oh, God. And him saying, we need to study cognates. And you saying, is that a little nut? <laughs> Oh, I just remember saying verde, chupacabra. Chupacabra. <laughs> That's like the only words That's the I best knew. one. My mother had to practice French with me, though, when I was in school. And yeah, she she slaughtered French the same way that I slaughtered Spanish. So, Oh, mama, yeah. don't listen to her. <laughs> mama would admit she slaughtered French and I slaughtered Spanish. So it's kind of the job of the mom That's to fair. do that. Slaughter, slaughter, slaughter. the foreign language. No. <laughs> Okay, should we do the stages? Please do. They're very exciting. Okay. 
So we said last time the big thing that Piaget says about this whole cognitive development thing is that children develop uh, the way they learn is is duh again by being active by, yeah, by experimenting doing by doing it by getting their hands and their feet on things and their mouth. that's why kids touch everything that's right that's why babies put everything in their mouth really literally They're trying to figure it out the very first stage there are four stages the first stage is from birth to two years and it's called the sensory motor stage which makes perfect sense if you think about what a baby does. Sense. Let's break that word down. Please do. Sensory senses, motor things we're doing. Right. So our senses are connecting with like the things we're doing, and the picking up and sticking it in our mouth. Yes. And the and the feeling it. You know, grabbing a hold of everything. Yeah. And grabbing their foot and sticking it in their mouth. <laughs> So the major characteristics and the developmental changes that happen from birth to two years would include what we just said. The way the infant knows the world is just by moving around and feeling things and touching things. And even very early on, they can't see very well. So they got to touch stuff. I feel the need to (laughs) talk about how we've... I feel the need. I feel the need. We've already talked about stage things. There's a lot of theories in psychology that have stages in them Mm -hmm. i mean the first one obviously we talked about was the freudian stages which is episode one Mm -hmm. but that we also talked about eric erickson's theories that are very stage based Mm -hmm. but like the social stages basically right uh but that's like episode like 17 to 21 we bit off more than we could chew with that one but we did i mean there's there's a lot of stages with that one but there are very many psychology theories that have to do with like stages that's true not just developmental i mean like freud wasn't a developmental psychologist he just had a stage theory so there's a lot of stage theories in psychology if you're listening to this and you are kind of a, a listener that has listened to other episodes and listened to the other things that we've talked about with stage theories you may be able to connect this. You may be able to say like, oh, that kind of matches up with Eric Erickson's, That's you know, exactly baby right. theory mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Baby mm-hmm. theory. That's what he called it. <laughs> That's a technical term. Baby theory. I'm so glad we went to grad school. <laughs> I have a master's degree. <laughs> baby theory. <laughs> Sorry. I'm losing it right now. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. You're doing great. I love you. I love you too. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so I'm just kind of listing what they call the major characteristics of this sensory motor stage. The children learn about the world through their basic actions like sucking and grasping and looking and listening. Duh. Groping. Groping. Like I talked to her last time. <laughs> I think that's different, but okay. <laughs> Infants learn that things continue to exist even though they can't be seen anymore. We're going to talk about that in a minute. It's one of Anna's <gasps> oh favorite things. Oh my God, things. it's my favorite thing. Okay. Okay, that happens somewhere between birth and two years. And they understand, they start to learn in this uh, birth to two years that they are separate. They are a separate being from the people and the objects around them. That's the, the, interesting to think about that being from one to two. I mean, one to two years or zero to two, I guess, right, is, right, is, is not something we know. Right. Like, that's not something any of us remember. It's not like you could talk to him and go, hey, dude. Yeah, hey, what do you think about yourself? <laughs> hey, two-month-old. Hey, are you separate hey, from your environment? Do you, do you think of yourself as a separate <laughs> being from the other people around you? You don't. But, I mean, to think that that develops that early before we even have memory of it. Right, exactly. Yeah. 
And they realize that their actions can cause things to happen in the world around them. It's the theory theory. The theory theory. I love it. And that really actually is called a theory theory. That's not just one of our things. No, it really is. I was was at a social gathering the other day. Weeks ago. And you were talking about Everything theory, is theory? The other- I was. Like, someone was talking about their new baby and how mm. they were doing things. And I was like, I said to Nathan, like, oh, that's the theory theory. And they were like, what? Like, they, they, <laughs> they heard died. it. And they, like, wanted me to explain it. It was kind of cool. But the theory theory is basically, like, a kid knows that if they do a thing, something will happen. Mm-hmm. So they test that. It's very cool. They have a theory. They have a theory, and they and test it. Pro- yeah. They're little scientists. They, that, that goes back to what we talked about the last episode. They're like little scientists. So obviously Piaget chose to call this stage the sensory motor stage because that's what they do at this point. Yeah. Um, that's what their life is about. And actually the sensory motor stage has some smaller like subcategories to it. Like the, the little Rubbermaid tubs and the big Rubbermaid tubs. Oh, I no, thought that's you schemas. were about to say something that was in your notes. And I was like, if Rubbermaid theories are in her notes, I'm going to throw a temper tantrum. Okay, totally not. Okay, the very first one is is just reflexes. And that's the very beginning, zero to one month old. And th- this is one of the substages where the child just is starting to understand their environment and they do that purely through their reflexes, like sucking and looking at things and listening to things. So it's just that very bottom level of their learning. Then one to four months, he called the primary circular reactions. And this substage involved new schemas. There's your schema word. Schema, schema. Starting to see some new things in their environment. For example, a child um, could suck on his thumb by accident and then later go, hmm, I think I'll do that again. Oh, and they I repeat it. that. Hmm, that was fun. These actions are repeated because the infant finds them pleasurable. So. Which I didn't go into last time because I threw a temper tantrum about not being able to find it in his book. Mm-hmm. But that strikes me as a behavioral schema. Which I is, would agree. Yes, yes. Just a schema of things we can do. Right. Yeah. Right. Very good. So then 40... Very good, Anna. Thanks, Mom. Gold star. Gold. Give I'm yourself a sticker. a sticker. Sticker. Four to eight Whenever months. I've had three glasses of wine, I give myself stickers. I'll hold it. <laughs> oh, this is fun. Self-care. Give yourself... <laughs> it is self-care. <laughs> it is. They smell good. We are professional counselors. Hey, we give ourselves stickers. Deal with it. Okay. Secondary circular You're reactions. Doing a that good job. that happens from four to eight months. Thank you. Uh-huh. Oh, I got balloons on my sticker. It smells good. Smell it. <laughs> I can't smell because my nose is oh, stuffed no! up. <laughs> I was thinking, okay. my nose is broken. <laughs> my nose. I is, must oh, have no. sinus problems. Okay. Okay, secondary circular reactions. Um, During this substage, the child becomes more focused on the world and begins to intentionally repeat an Mm. action in order to trigger a response in the environment. Like a child will purposefully pick up a toy because they're going to stick it in their mouth. So it's like, I want to put that in my mouth. I'm going to do it right now. Uh, Oh. So it's not like they see, I mean, to me that... Uh, does that have anything to do with modeling? Like they see an adult doing an action, so they redo it action? No, I don't think Not so. Not yet? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. Jumping ahead. Jumping ahead. You you were always advanced, though, so you probably, <laughs> you probably did do that at 48 months. That was at 40, yeah, at two years, I was like, well, mom does her taxes when she's stressed, so I got to do my taxes. <laughs> That was totally your childhood. I'm so glad you remember. Okay. Oh, eight- that was repressed. It just went to a little bit it of just a came dissociative out. fugue. 
because you've had so much wine. That's why you're going into fumes yeah, over there. Okay. <laughs> Just like when I was a kid. <laughs> Too much wine. <laughs> Eight to 12 months, baby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is called the coordination of reactions. And during this substage, the child starts to show clear intentions. Like they know what they want to do. Eight to eight to 12 months. Child may also combine schemas in order to achieve a desired effect. Children begin exploring the environment around them. Combine schemas. And here it is. Okay. They will often imitate... Oh, sure. Okay. Behaviors of So very others. close. I mean, very, very close. close. So you, wait, like I said, you were just advanced. You did a four to eight months and let's normal talk babies. about combining schemas. What does that mean? Can we child, come up with an the child example will also for that? Also, combine schemas. Hmm. Let's see. I'm trying to think of any um, example for that. Okay, a baby sees a rattle. They know the rattle makes a certain noise. Yeah. They want to make that noise. So they have to combine the schema of the rattle makes that noise with the schema of I got to pick it up with my hand oh, to make it rattle. Okay. Okay, that's yeah, how yeah, 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 we're yeah, very yeah, primary yeah. yet. Okay. Okay. Okay, here's that word that we joked about not being able to say. Tertiary. Ter- you got it. You nailed it. The thank first you, try. Don't make me say it again. She, she was practicing in all I cannot the, say that all word. the episodes. I have to look right at it and remind that myself. That just means third. Right. I have to remind myself there's not. I want to always put like another R in there maybe. Tertiary. 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 Yeah. Like mortuary. Right. Tertiary. It's actually a very fancy word. I feel very educated when I say it. It's just primary, secondary, tertiary. So why don't they just say third? (laughs) Because they have doctorates. I don't know. All those fancy schmancy words. Okay, so tertiary circular reactions are 12 to 18 months. Children begin a period of trial and error experimentation during this stage. So a child I would argue they start that earlier. I think so too. A child can try out different sounds or actions as a way of getting attention from a caregiver. I mean, again, that as newborn babies, we can yell and our right. mother will come to us. Right. And we can say, oh, when I yell, my mom comes to me. Like, I mean, that's that's right. that's a testing theory. But I think it's an ongoing, you know, like they learn this is going to. You like know, they're if, intentionally testing right. something. Right. You know, I'm going to see which one works. Right. So that's kind of a theory theory too, isn't theory, it? Theory theory. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're almost done. 18 to 24 months is the early representational thought, where children begin to develop symbols to represent events or objects in the world. During this time, children begin to like move toward understanding that whole, the world through mental operations rather than just by their actions. So they start to think about things instead of just moving, right? So it's kind of like that's that threshold of moving from that very first stage into the second stage, which is from two to seven years. And that's called the... So what's the first stage called? Sense, sensory motor. Sensory motor. Because they use their senses and their senses motors. Senses and their motors. <laughs> their <laughs> little motors. Their little baby motors. Right. And that's from zero to two years. Okay. Then from two to seven years, we call the pre-operational stage. And if you have your own children or you work with children or you've been around yeah, if children, you just be, yeah, being around them. think about the two to seven-year-old. So put them in this category. Children begin to think symbolically and learn to use words. They talk. <laughs> Mom just gave me such a significant a word. look. Words. Words. You know, that words. Was, like you, you know, started much younger than you've that. You've met words. Yes, words are one of your favorite things, Anna. <laughs> And pictures to represent objects. Um, children at this stage tend to be egocentric. Uh, yeah. Duh. Yeah, duh. And, yeah, duh. And sometimes adults are too, but I think this is especially... adults have a hard time 
like conceptualizing that with little kids that they like think kids should be more i want to say sociocentric than they are but they're well, egocentric. Well, they ex- yeah, we expect and we want because right. we want our kids to not be selfish. Yeah, obviously. You know, so it's like you know, but think about but others. this if we're looking at this stage theory, and I do think this has more merit than like Freud's stage theories. Yes, I agree. But like, I I think that kids get bad rap for like being selfish, but that's just like that's how where their they brains are. Work. Right. That is how their brains are. So we got to give them a little bit of a break. Yeah. Give yeah. them a little leeway. Exactly. This goes along with that. They struggle to see things from the perspective of others. Mm-hmm. And while they're getting better with their language and their thinking, they still tend to think about things very concrete. Right, yeah. It's pre-operational. The foundations of language development may have been laid during the previous stage because that's when they were hearing the words and starting to form the words. You're pointing at me and I'll stop in just a minute. But it is emerging now as their language. And actually, that's one of the major hallmarks of this stage, the pre-operational, which is building in their language skills. Right. Okay. Did you want to say something you're pointing at Did me? we ever talk about object permanence? Oh my gosh, we skipped over it and it's your favorite thing. <laughs> you told me we were going to talk about it and then we didn't. And I'm sad. Oh, she's so sad now. Let's go back. Do we? Should we? Uh, we don't have to. I'm no, we saying. have to. It's a big oh, deal. Oh, we have to. Okay. It's like one of the biggest things in that stage. Oh, okay. So you tell them about it. Oh, uh, okay. I, object permanence is just when a baby... Some of your favorite things. When a baby, like the peekaboo works because of object permanence. Like when you put your hands in front of your eyes, the baby literally thinks you don't exist anymore. Uh-huh. Like the baby, a baby at a certain age, when a thing leaves its visual range, thinks that it doesn't exist anymore. Exactly. <laughs> Poor baby. <laughs> that's kind of scary if you think know, about that's it. That would be a terrifying feeling. This thing is gone from existence. So what were you going to talk about, about object permanence? Just that it happens in that stage. Oh, okay. That it, that it happens from zero to two. I'm sorry. We should have talked about that earlier. But I that's, it's significant. It is a very significant thing because somewhere in there, they start to move toward that. Right. Um, and that's a significant. Um, in, in terms of thinking about things concretely, right. that is a hurdle we have to pass. Exactly. <laughs> so when we're talking in this stage, the pre-operational stage about concrete thinking, mm-hmm. that's a part of it. Very good. Okay. Thanks for bringing us back. I brought to it that. back. I brought Thank it you. back. I appreciate that. Okay. So, in this pre operational stage, children start to learn how to pretend play. You know, they still think very concretely about the world, but still they can, they can pretend. Like they can pretend and play house and, you know, you be the daddy and I'll be the mommy. Or, this or is very Erickson stages. It's very. Yes, it is very. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is very. It is very. <laughs> it is very. So even though they're learning how to pretend play, they still struggle with logic and they really struggle with taking other people's point of view. That's their trouble of the day. They also oh, no. str- they also struggle with understanding the idea of constancy. That means like um it's it's that idea of if a lump of clay is in a in a big ball or if it's a big flat pancake, you know, and the kid looks at it and says, "Oh, it's like when there's two beakers that mm-hmm. are like one's real tall and one's like shorter and wider, uh-huh. and one and they're like, oh, the taller one has more, even though it has the same as right. the short wide one. That's exactly right. That's called conservation. Yeah, 
And that, that has to do with that having very concrete thought. Yeah. Like they look at the glass and they go, well, there's doesn't look like there's very much in that glass. But the level is higher right. in that one. Right. And even so it's the same amount of liquid. It's a it's a very concrete thing. They you know, with with each of these stages they would have certain experiments that they would do to, to kind of prove where a kid was, you know, in that stage or whatever. Right. One of the uh, experiments that Piaget used Mom's looking very skeptically at her notes. This could be a little sidebar into Wacky Experiments, <laughs> Volume 2.5. He called it the Three Mountain Task. And it was like, I want to say a picture, but that's not the right word. It was more like a little... A painting? You know those things... A diorama? You, that's the word I was uh, looking for. Really? Yeah. Those <laughs> things you made in grade school. Those, those things you made in... I made a lot of things in grade school. I was in school Ornaments? the other day. Ornaments. <laughs> Oh, like those dumb Indian villages. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. Is- They're beautiful, but they were dumb when we were trying to get them put uh, together. Excuse you. Oh, you did the the Stonehenge. Didn't you do the, Did was that Stonehenge? high school even? Probably. When you made Stonehenge. <laughs> it probably the, looked like an elementary school. No, no. I think about the same time you were doing that, Gabe was making his Indian village. I think that's why it stuck mm-hmm. in my head. I'm sure Trying to get both of those I'm things sure that's to school. Why. Good cover. Good cover, <laughs> Mom. You just think my high school projects look like elementary school projects. No. They're so mean to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me get back to the three People mountain are task. actually think I'm mean to you. She's not. She's a very good daughter. Thanks. So the three mountain thing mm-hmm. was like a diorama. Is but that it's the right? Like, yeah. Okay. It's it's like a shadow box is another Except, word for but, it. But there, and so like they it, would, there's dimension to it. It's not just you. a painting. That's what I need. And so these two to seven-year-olds, so I'm assuming it would be closer to the seven-year-old end, would be looking at this image and they would I say, really, I hate that word. <laughs> and then the the experimenter person would say to them, how would it look if you were sitting on the other side? What would you be seeing if you were sitting on the other side? And they couldn't do it. And the experimenters said, this kind of proves that they can't see things from other people's point of view. Okay. But. For mountains? Well, I'm just saying it, it was a piece of art, you know, like three mountains. Yeah. And so maybe the first mountain was little and then the I don't know. Cause so I when see. I'm picturing diorama, I picture like a piece of paper with like a mountain cut out and then two inches behind it, another piece of paper with another mountain mm-hmm. cut out that's like offset. Yeah. And then I would say maybe and that was then a, a few maybe, inches back. Maybe like, it was actually To give 3D. the dimension of depth. Right. Well, that's what, I mean, that's what a diorama is. So it's if you were on the 3D. other side, what would you see? Right. Like if you were sitting right. on the other side of the picture. So they weren't able to be like, I would see that third mountain, but closer. Right. Like it would be That opposite. mountain would look. It would be reverse. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, they couldn't even, they would just, when they said describe what you would see if you were sitting over there, they would basically describe exactly what they were looking at. And the experimenter said that's because they're so uh, egocentric, they can only see what they see. In fairness, with a mountain picture like that, it really would look very similar, just reverse. But what... <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> See, underneath, I agree with you. Because yeah. what I feel about this is that's just a hard task. Yeah. To th- that's not empathizing with someone else's perception. No, it's, it's definitely... It's actually it's, it's trying to... It's not an empathy thing. Yeah, it's, a, it's, yeah. a, it's an art perspective. Right. Those are very different things in my brain. Right. So let me tell you, there was a researcher shortly after this all came out about the mountains. <laughs> there was a researcher named Martin Hughes. Mountain Gate. Who basically disagreed. 
Okay, sure. Okay, and so Martin Hughes argued that the reason that the children failed the Three Mountains task was simply that they didn't really understand well, yeah. how they were supposed to do that. So again, it's almost like the same thing that Piaget is famous for, which is that kids' brains work differently. He kind of got caught in himself. Yeah. That he didn't take that into consideration. Yeah, he was yeah. so up his own butt. He's like, this is a great <laughs> test. And everyone was like, nah, Jean is not. Jean. Jean is not. No, no, Jean. No, Jean, no. And he was like, ouais. Bien, bien. Anna's French gets worse the more I she drinks. Hey, excuse me. That's a very bien. A good French argument. Happening. As married to someone who speaks fluent French, is a very good bien. I just don't even know what to say. You say that like once an episode. I just I usually say like three times an episode. <laughs> okay, shall we go on? So I mean, a, I guess a huge part of the pre-operational stage is that children are egocentric mm-hmm. and they can't really see things from other people's right. point of view, Which, and it's concrete thinking. So, like you said, duh. duh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So stage three is called the concrete operational stage, even though we've already talked about being concrete. 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 Yeah, concrete. (laughs) I translated Probably the French (laughs) word. Because there's pre-operational, but that's when you become more concrete. And then there's... I've always thought this is confusing. There's a... (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. I hated studying for this. We were testing Sensory motor is pretty upfront. That one's pretty easy. Yeah, and then they get like, really confusing. Yeah, yeah. Like immediately the next three get very confusing. <laughs> okay. Okay. So the concrete operational stage is from 7 to 11. So let's let's think about kids we know who are 7 to 11 years Pre-operational old. Pre-operational. Concrete. Right. 7 to 11. Yeah. Okay. 7 to 11. So those How little, old are 11-year-olds? Those little dudes from like maybe second grade-ish till fifth grade-ish. Okay. Somewhere in there. We have this joke that I... <laughs> Very bad at estimating ages where whenever I talk about a kid, I'm like, they're in fourth grade. That's <laughs> every child. It doesn't, from, from like eight to like 14, they're in, they're in fourth grade. Well, some of these kids would be in fourth grade. Okay, so this well, fits that's your, good. Fits your image fits perfectly. Fits my image. So during this stage, children do begin to think more logically, um, but it's still about concrete events. Okay, they okay. begin to understand the concept of conservation. That's that thing we were talking about, pouring the water in the glasses. Right. So they start to understand. Uh, it, just because it looks that way doesn't mean it's kind of it's like the wider me. one probably does have right more. about the amount of liquid that we talked about. Their thinking becomes more logical and organized, but it's still very concrete. Children begin using inductive logic or reasoning uh, from specific information to a general principle. And this is a significant, and this kind of confuses me, but you're probably good at explaining this, that at this stage, children get very good at inductive reasoning but they are still not very good at deductive reasoning. I can never remember what inductive is. Yeah, so inductive means that it goes, I have to actually look at like a picture to think about it. (laughs) (laughs) Inductive is when you start with a conclusion and you get... Broader? you, You get like, you come up with evidence to support that conclusion, whereas deductive is you take evidence and you come up with the conclusion based on it. Deductive is like Sherlock Holmes shit. Right. Why would kids be better at one and not the other? 
I would assume that like they have the conclusion and they can like come up like it's when you're like writing an essay and you know what you're like talking about and you need to like come up with theory like evidence to to back it up Mm -hmm. but if you just have evidence you can't you can't like come up with a a conclusion whole cloth you can't like make a conclusion out of nothing okay i don't know mom's flippy flapping through her notes because we're both we're both struggling with this (laughs) shoot (laughs) oh we're we're not cussing anymore we can't we can't can't cuss anymore inductive reasoning starts with a conclusion and deductive reasoning starts with a premise there we go (laughs) (laughs) who cares Who cares? Who cares? That's a quote from mom. That's a that's a quote from buddy. Who cares? Seriously, who cares? You care. It's in your notes. I thought that's why we were looking at it. Okay, you're gonna have to edit the crap out of that section. That's fine. Okay. Getting more wine from my wine cow. Okay, moo. Moo. <laughs> so, kids are better at inductive than deductive. Right. At this age, children are better at inductive reasoning than deductive reasoning. And while their thinking is becoming much more logical. But I think that's... <laughs> I think that's why. I, I think that, look, they can look at, like... <laughs> Mom. <laughs> Having a stroke. You said that like every <laughs> other episode. One of these times is gonna be real, and you're gonna be sorry. <laughs> Don't say that. Okay, this is ridiculous. Nobody's gonna. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Okay. But I think that that's it. Like the logical part. Like if you have pieces of evidence. Like think if you're watching a mystery movie. Mm-hmm. Like a, a whodunit. Uh-huh. And you know who who done it. <laughs> God damn it. I was really trying to think of a different You you know who done it. <laughs> but you can like as you watch the movie you can pick out pieces that are evidence to that, you know, that support that claim. Right. Like if you're watching like those show like Criminal Minds is one that does that a lot that like they show the culprit very early on. And then you can kind of, like, pick up the clues as the episode goes along. Right. That's very different than, like, shows where you don't know who done it. (laughs) And you have to, like, use the clues that are given to make the conclusion. Right. So I I can understand how kids, if we're thinking of it that way, how kids, it would be easier for them to, like, if I already know the conclusion, I can fill in the blanks. (sighs) That's good. That's a lot. Okay. So kids at this point in development tend to struggle with abstract and hypothetical concepts. Um, Even though they are more logical than they used to be, they're still very rigid. This makes me think about one of the kiddos that I I have worked with that struggles with instructions from the teacher. Like she'll tell him to do something and it doesn't make sense to him. Mm. So he does it his own way. Sure. Which we, we talked about this a little bit, I believe. Two episodes ago, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, when we talked about intelligence, that like Common Core is kind of going toward that, like you can do it 
several different ways. Right. Figure out the answer. Mm-hmm. Follow I think one mind. of the reasons, though, that that struck me was the thing about being rigid. Because even though we're looking at that like, well, that's that's being flexible, that there's more than one way to find the answer. But for him, he becomes very rigid. Like, this is the only way you can, you know, oh, this so makes... Oh, so he adopts his own way as Right. Like, oh, that's My the way thing. is the only way. Right. Yeah. So, but... Also, and he's kind of on the bottom end of this 7 to 11 because he's just just seven years old. As he ages in this, hopefully some of that will, will let go a little bit because ideally in this stage, children do become less egocentric and they begin to think about how other people might think and feel. Right. And they start to understand that their thoughts are unique to them and that not everybody else feels that way. Yeah. That's, and that's a big step. I mean, again, when we're talking about like <laughs> the babies not being able to separate themselves from other people. Right. I mean, that's a huge thing is being able to understand that your thoughts are very different than someone else's thoughts. And that's a big step in getting away from egocentrism. Because mm-hmm. I think a big part of egocentrism is not understanding that other people differ from you. Right. Um, just for giggles. We like giggles. <laughs> we like giggles on this show. The 7 to 11-year-olds did much better at the Three Mountains thing when huh. they were asked to describe what you would see from the other side or from sitting over in that chair. They did a much better job at that. And that was Piaget was so, saying that meant that they could see it through other people's eyes. That was his way so of measuring. what were their answers to that? I don't know. They just, well, you know, like if I was on that side of the room, I would see, it's kind of like you said, I would see the, the blue mountain was smaller than the green mountain. Oh, and sure. Then, you okay. Know, I just, again, that's I wouldn't be weird... able to see the little, I, you know, like maybe on one side oh, there would be a little sure. tree and you yeah. see, I wouldn't be able to see the tree because it's in front of the mountain. Okay. I can see that. That kind of thing. One of the most important developments at this stage is something that they call reversibility. To be able to understand reversibility. That means awareness that actions can be reversed. So an example would be like being able to reverse the order of relationships between mental categories. What? We're, we're going back to the dog thing again. What? what? Hey, we're going to ASMR what? <laughs> <laughs> so an example what? of reversibility, Anna Marie, is that yeah. a child might be able to recognize that her dog is a Labrador. That a Labrador is a dog and a dog is an animal. So we're reversing the the whole schema. Like you know, the like, order of the schema. Right. Okay. We're going backwards on the schema thing. Oh, I thought you meant like behavior. No. Mental. Okay. Categories. Okay. <sighs> These things are wearing me out. <sighs> they are wearing me out. Okay. So we have three categories now. So okay. that was the concrete operational stage. Okay. 7-Eleven. The next one is 12 and up, which means all of us are in this one if you're above 12. 12 and up? This This is the same problem they have with Freud categories, which is like Freud categories go from like 0 to 1 and 1 to 4 and 4 to 6 and then 6 and up. It's like, what? We changed so much from that time to like when we're older. That's what good, what is good about the Erickson stages. That, I was going to say, that is why we talked about the yeah. Erickson stages for so long because they go. There's so many yeah. stages. And they've even been broadened. We talked about that in the episode right. that we did, that the many episodes that we the did on episodes. Erickson. 
that they had expanded from the time he created them. Right. They even added more. But they go through, uh, that, that was the point of Erickson's stages that they go through your entire lifespan. Exactly. Okay, so the last stage is the formal operational stage. So this, you are in this. If you're listening to this, if you are below 11, you should not be listening to this. <laughs> you are in this stage though. Right, 12 and up. So at this stage, the adolescent or young adult begins to think abstractly and reason about hypothetical problems. So the beginning of the stage is around 12. So think about, and we, we each have... Was that like 5th, 6th grade? Mm. Six, yeah, 6th grade. So sixth to seventh grade kids are in this. Are they're developing the stage? And it's you and I both hypothetical questions work better, right? We have we both have these kind of clients, yeah, this age yeah, clients. Yeah. And this is when abstract thought emerges and teens begin to think more about, you know, those moral and philosophical and ethical, social, political things than they did when they were little. Yeah, I would say definitely kids. And again, this is something we talked about a lot when we talked about Erickson stages is the social becomes huge for kids in this stage. I mean, Mm -hmm. like as soon as we get away from egocentrism, as soon as we get away from we are the only like opinion Right. As soon as we realize that other people have opinions, we suddenly become very concerned with whether or not they're judging us. <laughs> That's really like, true. So we very much preoccupy ourselves with social situations when we're in this stage. That's very true. That's a good way to look at that. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> so the final stage of Piaget's theory involves an increase in logic, the ability to use deductive reasoning that we just had such a struggle over and (laughs) understanding abstract ideas and so at this point people become capable of seeing multiple potential solutions to problems and to think more scientifically about the world around them the biggest part of this stage is that abstract thinking right that it's not all concrete anymore now we're we're abstract thinkers now once we hit that point so we can systematically plan for the future and reason about hypothetical situations and Think about what we want to do and who we want to be and who we are and all that abstract stuff that happens. Okay, so in earlier stages, children use that trial and error thing that we talked about, the experiment, right? During the formal operational stage, the ability to systematically solve a problem in a logical uh, way comes out. So we don't have to do so much experimenting. Right. Hopefully. Well. (laughs) Although, you know what? We do it. (laughs) We do. But I think that's because we've experienced a lot even in our short lifespan. That's very true. We've like experimented in different situations that are very close to the situation we're already in. So if we're in a situation that's similar, we're able to say like, this is like that other situation I've been in. So... I can reasonably anticipate, I mean, we talked about last episode, like social schemas, like person schemas, like I can reasonably anticipate that they will react to me in this way. Right. You know, if you think about adolescents and teenagers, especially, even into young adulthood, there's that big abstract thinking about, you know, what if, or, you know, what. I would say as, like, because college is so ubiquitous in society, Mm -hmm. this stretches through college. Right. Absolutely. And it's that kind of, it's kind of like that existential, those existential questions about why am I here and what is my purpose and all of that stuff. I mean, as soon as, again, as soon as we're out of egocentrism, we're trying to find our place in society. Mm -hmm. This stage is that. It just doesn't go as far as other stages we've talked about. That's really true. Honestly, if we look at Piaget, to me, the significance of, of his work is really earlier childhood. It's 
it's language you know? acquisition. Yeah. And 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 knowledge acquisition. It's right. it's not social stuff. No. Because you don't even really touch on on that stuff. No. I mean, it, you, it's just how we learn. And we're always, I mean, we're always learning things as we get older, but not in the way that Piaget looks at learning. Uh-huh. Piaget looks at learning as a very specific, like, learning new concepts and new, like, objects. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to specifically, it's not just objects, but it's very much like, What's a cow? <laughs> it's right. it's like that. Like it's learning new. I don't know what word it. Like not theories, not schemas. ideas, schemas. I guess, but it's kind of its own specific thing. It's not social stuff. It's not ideas. It's it's more concrete. Right. PJ stuff in general is more concrete. I agree. So it's it kind of fits with with what we talked about a couple of episodes ago when we were talking about intellect Mm -hmm. and different kinds of intelligences and all that this kind of fits together well with that episode because as we talk about Piaget we just we're basically talking about how specifically children I'm sorry I'm going to go back to that because by the time we hit 12 yeah yeah if you're in the same if you're in the same age group from 12 to above like it's obviously not about adults it's about children so but it goes back to not only thinking that children, their little minds work differently than grown-up minds. Right. But then that episode that we did previously, that even beyond that, every single person's mind works right. differently. Right, so, It's Which is kind of a subset of right. how we generally look at intelligence and knowledge acquisition. So I would say a big point from, from the theories of Piaget is we should not treat children... Like just little adults. I was going to ask specifically if you, in your teaching career, how, how does this look in terms of education, in terms of curriculum, in terms of teaching kids? Wow, that's interesting. That's an interesting question. I think that the biggest thing is that we can't, and teachers are well aware of this. I think sometimes you see teachers who have maybe, I, I don't want to offend anyone because I'm an old teacher, old but sometimes when, when teachers have been in the business too long and they've kind of lost track of the idea, they expect the kids, like I said before, they expect little children to behave in a certain way. Right. And they just they, stay that's, in line and, and do yeah. all this. And, 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 we, and it is easy to lose our patience when you're dealing with 25 little five yes. and six year olds. That's oh easy. God, yeah. Because I remember when I taught kindergarten that I literally, one of my goals for the first semester was to get them to walk in a line. You know, a whole semester, just if I could get them to walk in a line down the hallway. But that's because that's what they that's needed really to. That's really all they can that conceptualize That was a big deal. Yeah. So I do worry sometimes that we try to make our kids go too fast through right. childhood. And that's becoming more common, I would say. I, I think there's a big movement in like, my three-year-old can read chapter books. Mm-hmm. I, I think there is a, a big push in like, accelerating that intellectual development right i think that's fine if your kid's ready for it but i think if you're pushing them too far and they're not ready for it it can really be detrimental right so i think you just need to know your kid well and you want to give them time to develop those you know what they need to develop first so they can get to that and there's and they're, they're not you know they're going to, they just need to be kids for a while. Just let them, just let let them be kids. They're going to be egocentric for a while until they're like 12, apparently. They're right. going to be a little egocentric. And all you can do is model 
not being egocentric right all you can do is is model being kind to others and and using manners i mean that's how we start with it we say please and thank you i mean we we start with the really little things exactly i think this too works well with the idea that people who work with younger children allow them to have all of that tactile yeah. hands-on kind of learning you know we can't expect our little bitty kids to sit and listen to us teach them about something we need to let them what piaget said was they're learning by touching and feeling and and trying right. And, right. and being taking action in their world that's why that like don't put that in your mouth can yeah. only go so far because like that's how they're learning <laughs> right exactly there's a very fine line we got to keep them safe we want them <laughs> don't to be put safe. the plug in your mouth <laughs> yeah. i guess don't be choking on things don't but... look the outlet <laughs> but i mean the other stuff like yeah, if it's yeah. not going to like choke them or do anything else, like that's how they're going to learn what their environment is. So if you are a parent of a little child, to be aware yeah. that they are learning a lot from those things that they touch and and have to lick sometimes. <laughs> sometimes you just <laughs> have just, to lick a thing. Sometimes they just, that's how they get their information. I don't know. I don't but, lick a yeah. thing. <laughs> so do we summarize this Piaget thing? Um, we always talk about self-awareness, so... I guess Piaget wanted to look at whether kids are egocentric or sociocentric. So just be aware if you're sociocentric. I mean, that goes with the empathy thing that we talk about very often, which uh-huh. is be aware if you are thinking of others' needs, because that's how we develop, and that's how we develop a society, and that's how we do a lot of what we do in terms of more complex development I guess like even when he was talking about the schema stuff his interest was in how we make schemas more complex and how we make them more nuanced and I think that goes with his development thing too that even when we are done with the learning intellectual development portion of the stages like we can still be learning and we can still be being aware of if we're sociocentric or egocentric Mm -hmm. I think as as adults we are full on in this abstract mode. We can just take that Too abstract sometimes. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes we need to go a little bit back into more concrete. Right. Exactly. Because I, really I think that's where anxiety comes in. That anxiety, like the more abstract, what if this happens? What if this happens? What, what if, if what this if, happens? If. And sometimes we just need to like pull ourselves back to the concrete like this is happening now. Mm-hmm. You yell at me when I hit the table, but that was very effective. <laughs> So I think that's how we wrap it up. I think we say like, be aware if you're too egocentric, be aware if you're sociocentric, be aware if you're being too abstract instead of being too concrete. I mean, I think we balance. And also if you balance, it's about balance. It's about balance. And also if you work with children or you have your own children, if you're a grandparent, all of those things, to be aware that children don't think the same way grown-ups think. And so sometimes we need to just cut them a break about that. And even if you're listening to these stages going like, okay, as someone who works with kids or who has a kid, these sound like bunk. Uh Like, I don't agree with these. Or maybe you've listened to other stages we've talked about and being being like, "I, I don't agree with these, but I do agree with these. That's fine. As long as you acknowledge that there are developmental stages. Hmm. As long as you're acknowledging that they do think differently, just give them some leeway is basically what I'm saying. Be kind to one another. Be kind. Yes. 
Can I thank the listeners? Please do. Sipsters, we are so appreciative that you are with us. And we thank you that if you stuck with us through like two episodes to hear the end of this, we we appreciate that. We always appreciate you listening and we appreciate you sending us your feedback. And if there are things that you would like to hear us talk about or if you have comments or questions, please do contact us and let us know because we love to hear from you. And to do that, you can reach us on all social media by Freudian Sips Pod. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. That's the same name, Freudian Sips Pod. You can email us, FreudianSipsPod at gmail.com. Just reach out to us. We love to hear from you. We are on Patreon at Freudian Sips Pod, and we are really begging you to review us. <laughs> Please review us. <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that. We need reviews. (laughs) You're sounding desperate, Anna. Don't sound desperate. I am desperate. (laughs) Please review us. So please review us. But otherwise, just reach out to us. We really really like hearing from you. Our theme music is Sweeter Vermouth by Kevin McLeod, and it sounds like this. (laughs) 